The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to First Bite, our Detroit Lions preview podcast. It is week three. Time to turn that page on the Seattle Seahawks game and look forward here to the Atlanta Falcons Coleman to Detroit this week. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the producer over at Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online on Twitter. With me, as always, to help break down this upcoming game is senior editor of Pride of Detroit, is the rock god, is at Ryan underscore POD. Ryan Matthews, how we doing, buddy? Doing well, Jeremy. Anytime you say turn the page, it evokes uh, the, the the spirit of Bob Seeger. Mm. And... um you know what they uh, the Lions are running against the wind right now oh, and uh, they'll have to they'll have to, you know, turn things dust those old records off the shelf, <laughs> so to speak. Right. Listen, if Dan Campbell's the head coach of this team, you have you have to respect the Metallica version of turn the page. I'm sorry. This is true. I'm glad you brought this full circle. And you know what <laughs> else brings us full cir- full circle? Our guest. That's right. And that man, what a good segue. And I'm ruining it by acknowledging it. Uh, he is the beat writer for the Atlanta Falcons via ESPN, formerly the Lions beat writer for ESPN. He is at Mike Rostin on Twitter. Mike Rostin is here. Welcome back, buddy. Hi, guys. Hey. <laughs> Coming in with I, I was trying to do like the hello, Nick, from The Simpsons, but yeah. I failed. Hi, hi Dr. Rostin. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> listen, uh, I have no honorific in front of my name. It is not journalist Ralph Siener, reporter Ralph Siener. Mm. You know, there, there are some honorifics that probably people would like to put in front of my name. <laughs> However, uh, none of them are official. Last yeah. I checked. All right. Well, we'll check the birth certificate later. Uh, Mike, let's get into this matchup. As much as I'd like to just chat about everything with you for, for the next 45 minutes, we do have a football game to talk about. Uh, and and as we always do, we're going to start with the opponent's offense first. I don't know if that's what we always do, but that's what we're doing now. Sure. Um, hey, listen, it's a relevant game for once, Jeremy. Like, yeah, for most both of the time when these two teams play, it's irrelevant. Yeah, exactly. And so that that's exciting. And maybe maybe it's just because it's week three. Maybe if this was played in week seventeen, one of these teams, both of these teams, might not be relevant. I I'm willing to bet that they both will be though. Because uh, I, I actually think they will, although the, the Lions have a lot of injuries right now. And true. Uh, that, that is that would be very concerning to me uh, if I were a Detroit Lions fan. Uh, but yeah, no, that, the, I think these two teams are going to be relevant all year long. I, I think we may end up I'm going to even throw one prediction out there. I'm going to even say I think we may end up doing this again here in January. Ooh, I like that. I like you're getting ahead of yourself here. We're not making predictions yet. 
Let's let's talk about the Falcons offense. No, that's not that's that's a, that, um, there'll be many predictions made in this podcast, Jeremy. <laughs> that's a freebie. That's a freebie. <laughs> All right. All Falcons. Right. Arthur Smith, year three. Mm-hmm. Same with Terry Fontenot. This is I mean, it's very much in, in the Lions situation. Year three with the general manager, with the head coach. How close, I guess, is the vision is particularly of his of Arthur Smith's offense to being what he wants it to be now that they're in year three? Yeah, it's pretty close, guys. Um, certainly closer than any at any other point. Now, Arthur Smith is a guy, and we've seen it. You know, that's why, you know, they've run the ball a lot the first two weeks, but I don't anticipate that that's going to be what they do all year long, although they have the players to do so in Tyler Algier and Bijan Robinson. But Arthur Smith has shown he can be versatile, right? Like in his first year with Matt Ryan and kind of, you know, Calvin Ridley for like three weeks and <laughs> Russell Gage for a little bit. Uh, but you have Matt Ryan, they threw the ball a ton. They threw the ball like 550, 600 times, something like that. Then last year with Marcus Mariota, who was not an accurate quarterback, they more than doubled. They, they just ran and ran and ran because their offensive line was really good and they could really, any rusher they put back there was successful. This year is more of a hybrid of both. But the biggest thing, and I wrote about this last week on ESPN.com, Arthur Smith has been all about positional versatility, or as I call it, a position agnostic offense. And what that means is take all the positions that we know, running back, wide receiver, tight end, you can take them, you can throw them in the trash bin at the bottom of your laptop because they're not really looking at it like that. Like basically what it is, is they look at guys and they say, we're going to put that guy in the best mismatch position to succeed. So if you look at like how they've played offensively, it is very much a situation where they'll use kind of the same five core guys, you know, the mixed match, a couple other guys in depending on sets or whatever, like Keith Smith, their fullback has gotten a lot of run last week, uh, sometimes depending on matchup, but they'll use the same five guys, but put them everywhere. Like Bajon Robinson has lined up in in week one. He lined up in the backfield 20 times. He lined up out wide, I think like six. He lined up in the slot, like 12. And he ended up lined up in the spot that would be kind of an offset tight end spot position a couple of times as well, even though he's not, you know, even thought of as a tight end. Like that's kind of what they do. They do a Johnny Smith who's lined up all over the place. The only guy in their offense that when he's on the field lines up in kind of one place and one place only is Tyler Algier. He lines up almost all the time in the backfield. Everyone else can kind of line up a little bit everywhere. And they do that for two reasons. One it becomes really hard for defensive coordinators to figure it out and how they want to put personnel on the field because so often personnel, they want to match, right? Well, they have five guys in reality, and you can even maybe say six or seven that can play enough different positions that it becomes really hard to do that. They can, with depending on the personnel, they can go from jumbo to empty with the same five. There's not many teams in the league that can do that. And that's something that, gives them leverage and gives them deception and becomes really hard. It basically puts, uh, as Sean McVay put it to me a year ago when I started asking him about kind of the concepts of this, uh, it puts people in a cool guessing game. And that's when you win. That's when you get, you know, offensively or defensively, that's what you try are trying to do. And Atlanta has the personnel, I think, more than any team in the league, San Francisco might be the only other one that has the personnel to really do that all over the place. Well, Mike, you brought up his name. 
Uh, it's B. John Robinson's world, and I think we're all just living in it at this point. And I know it's early, but like what aspects of his game does he seem to have a firm grasp on this early in the season? And where do you see him kind of just scratching the surface of, of his potential? Yeah, I mean, I think he's got a clear grasp on it, on everything, guys. He, he does. He's uh, I've said this on a couple different places. I, I So since since I was last with you, I now am a fill in host on ESPN radio nationally. And we've talked about Bajan Robinson there. Uh, I did another podcast that I, I won't name because out of respect to you guys earlier this week. And I said it there. Uh, and I'll say it again. There's two guys in my career that I have covered that every day I'm like, wow. Like every dang day when I watch practice and training camp and, and even sometimes, I mean, regular season's individual, but every game you sit there at least once and you go, wow. The other guy you guys know very well, you can probably guess who that was. Uh, Joy Bell, clearly. Um, no, that that was Calvin Johnson. No. I was going to say Avion uh, Kaysan. That's close enough. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, listen, you know, my guy, Chris Durham. Awesome. <laughs> we uh, can do this no, all uh, day. <laughs> I, I, Chris is Chris is doing really well for himself, by the way, in retirement. Uh, but was Calvin Johnson watching Bijan Robinson every day in camp? He just does things, and you're like, "What are you doing? Like, how how is that possible?" And I I've said this a couple of other places, and I'll say it again here. If he stays healthy, and that's the if with all of this, right? If he stays healthy, he's getting fitted for a jacket, whether that's a red jacket for their ring of honor in the Falcons or the the one that Calvin Johnson has now. Although I guess technically he has the blue one for the just gray, silver, blue, whatever, whatever their one is. Um, or or the gold one. I, I think he gets there. He is that special. Like some of what he's able to do is I just haven't there there was one play in training camp. And it was the day that I kind of was like, all right, I'm 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 going to go out on a massive limb and start saying this. He cut right. It looked like it was in slow motion. He like put his foot in the ground and then bloop, like went like left middle right away. And I was just like watching this and I'm like, he move, is moving at the same speed as everybody else, but it looks like he's moving like faster than everyone else like he gets the edge faster than everyone he has like body control like neo from matrix at time to time like i mean it's just you watch what he does and you just sign a say i don't know how physically and like physically or physically that is possible (laughs) that's i think that's a good way to put it um i i want to move on from from Bijan only because I think it's going to rile up our fans a little bit. Well, I, little bit. if I make the comparison that I that I've made, don't it do it this week. Don't do I know it. It's blasphemous around here. The man's got a statue, Mike. He's got you a statue. You can't do it. You can't, he does. You can't do it. No, he does. Listen, I'm listen. I'm not putting him in that same category yet. But <laughs> no, but no. I mean, Ladainian Tomlinson's another really good example of that. Yeah. Like, you know, I is that he's the type of guy that runs like that. Right. And there's very few guys that run like that. Yeah. So that's what that's my point in saying right. that. I mean, I the first comparison I made of him was Darren Sproles, but like 160% Darren Sproles, you know? <laughs> like, and that's not a knock on Darren Sproles. He had a hell of a career. But my point is like he is a runner like that. And you'll yeah. see it. There'll be one play, maybe two, 
that you'll just be like, how? Like it, it, two games, there's been like two or three of them, and you just sit there and you're like, it's first touchdown. You're like, yeah. so you backed you, you caught a swing pass out of where he went from, by the way, slot and finished before the snap at tight end after mm-hmm. going across the formation and back. So it goes to that positional versatility. Catches a swing pass that should have that 99% of backs in the league would have gotten blown up on. Back jukes the guy. So make him miss. Then break runs forward, basically breaks two tackles and gets in the end zone. And you're like, huh? And then last week, he juked three different guys. Like, and then also a play that kind of went unnoticed. That was my like the one that I was like, are you like mid-run? He just saw a Green Bay defender falling in front of him, and he just like he jumped over him like it was like like he was like Super Mario. Like, like, I mean, like that's just what it was. Like, I was like, are you kidding me here? Yeah. He's I'll admit it's fun watching him do that to Packers players. Um, he like I'm I'm okay with it just being like one good play this week. Um, but <laughs> let let me talk about Desmond Ritter here a little bit because you mentioned it's it's a pretty complicated offense where moving pieces are all over the place and anyone can play anywhere. It seems like maybe a a heavy load on on someone as untried, I guess, as Desmond Ritter. So how has he handled that? Um, you know, given that he what he had four games that he finished the season with last year, and, yeah. and now he's two games into this. Um, how how is he able to, I guess, take on such an interesting role? I, I think he's handled it well. Listen, there's been inconsistencies there. He threw one interception against the Packers. Kenny Clark hit him right in the chest as he was throwing, and as you guys well know, if Kenny Clark hits you in the chest, that's probably not. Uh, a it doesn't feel good. B uh, that ball is probably not going where you want it to. Uh, he, but he had two others. I mean, like Jair Alexander dropped a easy interception. Quay Walker dropped a little bit of a higher degree of difficulty interception. So there, there are, there are passes he's thrown that you're like, Oh, that's not a good throw. And you're like, Oh, where were you going here? There's definitely that learning curve, that inconsistency, but he's handled getting in and out of the offense pretty well. Now we obviously don't know all of the checks and all of what he's supposed to be putting them into or not putting them into, but there, I have not heard anyone say publicly or privately, Oh, you know, it's not going well. He's not handling it. It seems like he's handling it. Okay. But there's an understanding that there's going to be a learning curve here. And I imagine there'll be another one because uh, I, I don't know if he's been in an environment quite like the one that I'm anticipating on Sunday, the one that Jeff Okuda also, by the way, anticipating on Sunday. No, we'll get to him. Uh, you know, I, based off of of what I've seen and what I've seen in 14 and 16 when the Lions were actually good when it covered them, the rare times it was. Um, I, I'm curious how he's going to handle that. Now, he had his first start on the road at the Superdome in a, you know, a rivalry game. And that place can get very, very loud. But both those teams were kind of like around, kind of still relevant, but not not like this game theoretically could be uh, on Sunday. I'm curious to see how he handles that. There is inconsistency there, but he's handled it well. And the other part of it, I would say, is last week they ran him a lot more on some design runs, some zone reads, which, again, when it's Bajan in the backfield and it's a zone read, like Desmond Ritter's touchdown run where he booted out left, two things there. One, they set it up earlier where they had a Bajan run at the goal line where they gave it to Bajan and Bajan actually got stuffed. Uh and that helped set it up. But also the fake was so good. I was watching, you know, and I watch these guys all the time. I ended up watching Bijan because that's how good the fake was. And then all of a sudden I heard cheering and I'm like, he just got hit. What, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, Desmond Ritter has the ball. 
Like that. So that's all to say, listen, there's, they're doing a lot to manage him right now in terms of like, he's not throwing the ball deep a lot when he has the the deep balls could be a lot better. Uh, he's learning. Uh, I don't think it's anywhere close to to what they're hoping it can be from, from him and in this offense, but he's definitely showing signs of improvement. And the one thing that he really does have, which is similar to a guy you guys know well and Matthew Stafford was, you know, even you guys know this better than anybody. Stafford could be awful for three quarters. And then they're in the game and magically Matthew Stafford becomes like the third best quarterback in the league in the fourth quarter. Desmond Ritter has shown in the fourth quarter of games he has that level of uh, it quality, of clutch gene, if you want to call it that, even though that's not really a thing. Um, Sian Bialik wrote a book about choking and it talks a lot about that clutch gene. I highly recommend you read it. She's actually the president of Dartmouth now. But uh, you you see that and he just has that innate winning quality of if he has the ball at the end of the game, there's good reason to believe he's going to get it done. Uh, and you can't teach that. But the other three quarters, there is, you know, there's a reason they're, they're outscoring opponents 27 nothing in the fourth quarter, but those first three quarters have been rough. And the first quarter specifically, like if the Lions can jump out early, that's where it'll be really interesting how much pressure that puts on Desmond Ritter. Yeah. And to Mike's point, too, I think uh, maybe on my most recent check, I think earlier today when Jared or Jeremy and I were going back on Jared Goff statistics, um, Desmond Ritter is up there in terms of like turnover worthy plays uh, as far as quarterbacks in the league. So um, that'll be something to definitely keep an eye on uh, this week. Uh, Mike, I just question about I have to check in. I'm uh, legally, morally obligated to check in on Kyle Pitts. Um, and, you know, there's there's just a couple of pass catchers that are on the brink seemingly a breaking out, right? I mean, Drake London is a high draft pick. Kyle Pitts is a high draft pick right now. While the team is winning and everything is rosy, all things are great, but you look at, I mean, London has what six catches Pitts has four catches, you know, how and where do those guys fit in this kind of like position agnostic offense? You know what I mean? And, and like, uh, you know, how do they fit into this like more ground oriented offense at times? I mean, they're both London specifically is a really good blocker, uh, which, you know, for fantasy people, like, that's the last thing I want to hear is that Drake London's a great blocker. Um, they both fit in pretty well. They really do. I mean, Drake London, when he played with Desmond Ritter last year, was incredibly effective. Uh, you know, right now we're working, uh, to me, this season with a small sample size because the other thing that happened in week one was Brian Burns and Derek Brown made – the Falcons' lives miserable in the first quarter and a half. Like So they, the Falcons had to change their game plan. They had to go away from any sort of intermediate or deep passing because if they did that, Derek Brown or Brian Burns were going to like eat Desmond Ritter. Like, I mean, that, that had happened a couple of times. I mean, I Chris Lynch was one of the, if not the best guard in the NFL. And, I mean, Derek Brown folded him up one play. But, you know, I've never seen I've covered Chris Lynch for two plus seasons. I've never seen that happen. But those guys were just on point, get figuring it out. And that changed a little bit of what Atlanta was going to do. Kyle Pitts, teams are paying a lot of attention to him. But there was one play was in week one again. It was like a 26, 30 yard game that got wiped out by a penalty. 
And that one play alone probably changes how people are looking at Kyle Pitts from a statistic standpoint at this right now. Uh, so all of that said, uh, I mean, I'm not worried about those guys yet. Uh, come back to me in a couple of weeks. Like if Kyle Pitts is still putting up no numbers in a couple of weeks, I think there's reason to really wonder what's going on there. Drake London, I think is fine. I mean, it's six, six for 67 last week, uh, and a touchdown. You get that from him most weeks. You're, you're probably pretty happy. The thing that to me that I look at is targets and they had five, they had five guys that they Desmond Ritter targeted last week. All those guys got at least five targets. So it's not like it's a two target game, a one target game, like it was for Drake London in the opener. And that was the other thing too. Carolina doubled Drake London, like the whole game. So they take, they basically were like, we're taking Drake London out of this offense, beat us with everybody else. And I think that's, what's going to happen. We're going to see teams pick the guy or two guys that they want to eliminate from the offense and basically say, all right, your other three guys, you know, four guys, if Cordero Patterson maybe plays, uh, make those guys beat you. And so far that's worked for the Falcons, but at some point it's probably going to become problematic because Desmond Ritter's not trying to necessarily force throws and because he doesn't have to because of the amount of pass catchers that they have. And that was part of why they built this the way they did was if you have a quarterback that's giving you average quarterback play, you have enough offensive options that you can go to just go to the open guy over and over again, whoever that is. And that's how you move the ball down the field. And that's really what they've done. Last thing before we take our break here, obviously here in Detroit, there's been a lot of talk this week about the defensive line um, and this Falcons offensive line, particularly as a run blocking unit is, is one of the best in the NFL. I, you mentioned Chris Lindstrom, but I'm, I'm curious if you, if you think there is maybe a weak link among amongst the group, whether it's as a run blocker, as a, as a pass blocker lines, obviously yeah. trying to create a little bit of pressure here on a, a young and in, young inexperienced quarterback. Is there, is there an opportunity this week to, to get to uh Ritter? Um, I think that there would be, uh, you know, the, Caleb McGarry is a really, really good run blocker. He's not that great against them in pass pro. And I think that's why when he was a free agent last year, you saw he didn't maybe get the money a lot of people thought he might because there are questions about his pass protection. And coming back to Atlanta on a pretty reasonable deal, I think a deal that worked out for both sides. Uh, That's one area that that I think there's – some exposure. Matthew Bergeron has not played in a road environment yet in the NFL. Uh, and, and he's a rookie left guard. So far, he's done really well, but he's also had five games now, really four games uh, as a left guard because he, uh, you know, he's a rookie and he, he was, was a tackle at Syracuse and moved over. He had like two plays at the senior bowl or whatever, like a day of practice at the senior bowl at guard ends up being a second round, but he's handled himself quite well, but at some point there's going to be a, a learning curve thing for him there too. Yeah. And those would be the two spots. I mean, Jake Matthews is really solid against the run in the past. Chris Lister is one of the best guards in the NFL. Uh, and Drew Dahlman's played, I think much better this year than he did a year ago. And he's their center and, and that helps as well. But I mean, Dalman can be gotten as well. You know, that's th- those would be where it is, but uh, they've largely other than that first half against Carolina, I thought handled themselves well uh, 
pass blocking and run blocking, but they're definitely a better run blocking unit than pass protecting unit uh, because all five of those guys are high level run, blocker, run blockers. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to switch things up, talk about the Lions offense versus uh, a Falcons defense with a, a lot of new pieces, including one very familiar piece. Uh, we'll get to that when we come back here on First Bite with ESPN's Michael Rostin. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back here on First Bite with ESPN's Michael Rothstein breaking down Lions-Falcons preview week three. We talked about the Falcons offense. Let's switch it over to their defense against the Lions high potent offense. Uh, let's start with some of the new additions here, uh, because like I said, this is a, a little bit of a renewed Falcons defense that that had an up and down season last year, uh, certainly looking to take a step. Uh, let's start with David Anyam- Anyamata. I am close, close enough. Obviously, playing next to Grady Jarrett is going to help anybody, but how big of a transformation has he made that entire defensive front that also includes a guy like Calais Campbell? Yeah, I mean, listen, it's it's beyond that. What they've done is like we were talking a lot about the offense before, yeah, uh, and how they're position agnostic. Now they're not position agnostic on the defensive front, but they are basically running hockey lines. <laughs> like seriously, they are. I it, it, they are running. They got six guys. They will rotate, and then if you in terms of like a three man front, and then they've got got Bud Dupree, Lorenzo Carter, Arnold Abiquete who they will rotate a lot as kind of their stand-up edge rusher. Right. You know, Cardo sometimes play with his hand on the ground. Uh, but Dupree didn't practice on Thursday with an illness. Uh, I don't get the sense at this point that he's in danger of missing Sunday, but we'll see how that goes on Friday. Um, but they've run a lot of hockey line type stuff to keep guys fresh. I actually asked defensive coordinator Ryan Nielsen about it today and how they handle that. And whether it's like, well, you're just putting the best three out there, or is it a chemistry thing? Kind of like, hockey lines and essentially he was like ah oh, you know we're putting guys out at different times but what it's allowed them to do is get their best players uh out there all of whom are 
a little older at this point. Grady's in year nine, Calais is in year what sixteen, and Onyemata's in year I think like six or seven, but he's thirty. Um, all those guys are out there and fresher for late game downs, and that's been the big key. The addition of Calais Campbell, David Onyemata, Bud Dupree as well. All of a sudden, they have more guys that they need to account for. And another guy I'll throw in there is Caden Ellis. Uh, even though he plays inside linebacker, he can play on the edge if they need him to. He can rush the passer. He, had, he sacked Jordan Love last week, unblocked, by the way. And so they have a, fr- a different, much different front seven that this is probably the most Grady Jarrett's had in a long time. And you can't really triple team Grady Jarrett, which uh, the Detroit Lions actually did a couple years back the last time they played. Well, new faces in in other places too, and and we'll we'll get to him. Uh, I'll let Jerry talk, or uh, Jerry, I'll let Jeremy talk about uh, you know former Lions. But Jesse Bates, probably one of the biggest signings in all of free agency. Like, what has he done in terms of helping transform that that you know Falcon secondary? Yeah, I mean, well, it's it's really a combination of Jesse Bates and Calais Campbell uh, to look at the entire defense, right? Like those two guys have made such an impact defensively, not only necessarily with their play. Now, Jesse Bates more so with his play than Calais Campbell. Uh, and it's not a knock on Calais Campbell. It's just, you know, he, he hasn't, hasn't had the major stats yet, right? But the influence they've had on the rest of those guys on the defense from a leadership standpoint, from an education standpoint. I mean, Calais Campbell even told me he feels like he's a coach at this point who's also playing. And that has been invaluable. But what Jesse Bates has done, he is such an instinctual player that he is making up for a lot of any issues that they might be having in the secondary. And they're not having a ton, by the way. But they did give up a couple deep passes, a couple passes that were called for pass interference. Uh, He he ends up being the eraser on a lot of things. He really did a good job against Carolina. I mean, he picked uh, Bryce Young twice. Yeah, He's the first guy since 2007, a guy I covered at Notre Dame, Chinadam and Dakeway. Chinadam and Dockway, I just butchered it twice. I feel bad for Nadu. I apologize, Nadu, if you're not listening to this, which why would you? Um, but he played for the Bengals. Hey, he, he's, he's got other things to do. He lives in Cincinnati. Um, but Nadu was the last guy to do this before Jesse Bates get 10 tackles, two interceptions, and a force, either a force fumble or a fumble recovery in, in one game. Like, I mean, that was the first time that happened since 07. Jesse Bates is a guy who is a catalyst for a lot of things. He's a guy that can move around a lot of places too. We're talking about versatility on offense. He's versatile on defense. They can play him in the box. They can play him at deep safety. They can play him at more of like a strong safety. You can play him even at a nickel. That allows them to do a lot of things in that back end that they haven't necessarily been able to do before. And they're also, they also have depth at safety too, because Jalen Hawkins, very similar to what was happening in Detroit where Tracy Walker was essentially the third safety. Yeah. And you know, you're like, well, that guy really good for a third safety. Well, Jalen Hawkins, similar situation. The guy was a starter last year, young player. He's in the last year of his contract. He was their third, he's their third safety right now. And that's a good problem to have if you're the Falcons, because uh, you know, having depth at that position specifically helps. But uh he's been invaluable. And, and worth every penny they've paid him. I know there were some people out there that questioned paying a safety that type of money. Uh, what Jesse Bates has shown is that he's worth it uh, in a lot of levels. And that, I mean, I think the Lions are similar in this to the Falcons, where they don't really care about your opinions. 
<laughs> like they don't care about public perception. They're going to do what they believe is right for their team and go get the players they believe fit their team and the positions they value, not what the positions that everybody else values. Uh, I think Detroit and Atlanta are very similar in that regard. Well, another guy they went out and got um, certainly against maybe what Detroit's public perception of the guy is, but Jeff Okuda, they obviously traded for this offseason, um, gets injured pretty early in training camp. Seems like things are lining up for him to make his debut. Started with with a couple full practices this week. Um, do you expect him first? Do you expect him to start? And then second, um, are are they the type of team that will just throw him like he's a full time starter now? Are they going to ease him in? And and how do you expect him to perform based on what little I guess you saw of him in in training camp? Yeah, listen, but I'll tell you what I did see of him in training camp was pretty good. Yeah, you know, it was only like four or five days, but yeah. he he looked all right. He really did. He looked he looked like the player. I expected him to be coming out of Ohio State because I covered his rookie year. Now, we didn't get to see much of anything that year because of COVID. But he looked a lot like that type of player, the player I think a lot of Lions fans expected him to be. Uh, Then he got hurt. And honestly, when he got hurt, they brought the card out and you're sitting there and you're like, oh, oh, no, not again for this kid. Because at some point, listen, I'm as objective as I can be. I think Lions fans know that specifically, and that has not changed in Atlanta. But humanity and empathy would tell you, like, if this guy gets hurt again, you, you're just like, you're kidding me. Like, like you feel for people like that, especially because it's not like he'd done anything bad. Like, it was freak. It was a freak thing. Right. But the good news was it wasn't as bad as they thought it was going to be. This is a foot injury. So you think Liz Franker, you think, you know, broken foot again, whatever. Or at, when he went down, honestly, you thought maybe Achilles. None of those things. So he, I thought he was potentially going to play last week, but even on Wednesday, the way he talked last week was like, well, you know, we'll see what happens. This week has gotten full practices in. I know he definitely wants to play. There is no doubt about that. Whether he does or not, I don't know if that decision has been made yet. Uh, I, I don't know how, if they totally feel how they feel about that. I think I'll have a better idea of that tomorrow. Um, not necessarily because of game designation. It's not like they're going to rule him out. Like at worst, he'll be questionable, uh, I would imagine. But uh, you know, there there are certain things you can see in certain people I talk to that that will give me an indication on that. But uh, I did ask Arthur Smith. I asked Ryan Nielsen to your question, Ryan, of well, would they ease him back in? And they didn't rule it out. Like maybe running a rotation with him and Trey Flowers. Uh, so I would say, or maybe even Mike Hughes, another former Lion, uh, who may or may not be the punt returner, by the way. I asked former Lions assistant yeah. special teams coordinator, now Falcons special teams coordinator, Marquise Williams today about Mike Hughes, whether he was their punt returner, and gave me six guys that could be their punt returner. And then I was like, <laughs> I asked you a very direct question, Marquise. I, Marquise is a I, Marquise is a very nice man. I'm like Marquise. I asked you a very direct question. Is he your punt returner? And he was like, oh, I don't know. Oh, I'm like, okay, that that's helpful. Um, you know, I. But to answer the, the question about Okuda, I could see a scenario where they put him out there. Or they put Trey Flowers, Flowers out there to start and they put him out there every third series to get his feet wet a little bit, depending on how Trey Flowers is playing. Uh, and frankly, I think had Okuda been active last week, at some point he would have replaced Trey Flowers. Trey Flowers had a rough game uh, at eight points last week against the Packers. So, yeah, I think it's possible. Uh, but I could also see a scenario where they just say, yep, 
go back out there, you're starting and, and go from there. I, I, any, any pos, anything is possible to me right now when it comes to Jeff Okuda on Sunday. All right. I mean, we, we, I feel like we've covered the secondary pretty well. Let's talk about you didn't even mention their defense. best player in the secondary, though. Yeah, I know we have AJ Listen, Terrell. A- AJ Terrell is the most underrated corner in the league. We get it. I did. Oh, Move all on. right. I did not say that. No, but uh, everyone said everyone in Atlanta does say that. Listen, he's a really, he's a really, really good player. Good player. I, he's I a really, really good player. Him against um, if he matches up against Amon Ross St. Brown, that's going to be a really, a really fun matchup to watch. Well, can, can, um, can we just ask that question? Like, is he a guy who travels with the other team? He, has, he has in the past. There have been other times that that he has not. And a lot of times it'll depend on the opponent. He can travel. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit different now, like in Dean Pisa's scheme versus uh, what Ryan Nielsen does. It's not entirely clear whether Ryan Nielsen likes traveling as corners or not, because you look at their first two opponents, they haven't faced an elite elite receiver yet. Right. right. They played the Panthers who don't know who DJ Moore is in Chicago now. Uh, so like it's, you know, Adam Thielen and Terrence Marshall and, you know, some of these other guys. And then last week against Green Bay, Christian Watson was out. So it's Romeo Dobbs and Wicks and and some of these other, other young guys. So there wasn't the need to. This will be the first real test or real question of whether uh, they want to travel him this year or not. Now he has in the past, um, Really interestingly, last year, uh, if you remember, the one game that the Falcons got blown out of was against Cincinnati. And what was supposed to happen was A.J. Terrell was supposed to shadow Jamar Chase. And A.J. Terrell got hurt the first series. No. So that blew up their entire plan. And you saw it because Jamar Chase, who also got hurt in that game but played through it, like just annihilated Atlanta. So I, I, AJ can do it. The question will be whether or not they decide to have him do it or not. And I just don't know that answer because we haven't seen him face uh, an elite receiver yet, but he's going to face a few of them here in the next. uh, Well, really this will be the, this will be the first one. And then depending how you feel, maybe about some guys that Jacksonville has, then they play Houston and then they play Washington after that. So the next opportunity to me, that would be a surefire one would probably be Terry McLaurin. Really quick before we jump to the the run defense, I think you bring up an interesting point because not only has this Falcons defense not faced a, an, an elite wide receiver yet, they haven't faced a inexperienced quarterback yet. They, they, get, they get Jordan Love, uh, they get Bryce Young, um, this was a 31st ranked pass defense by DVOA last year. They're 20th so far this year. So it, it should be an, like a, a huge test of, of seeing, I guess, how much they've improved. Obviously, we, yeah, we well, just kind of I mean, ran through they, a lot of the parts that they've improved. Yeah, but. they've improved a lot in personnel, Jeremy, right. but also they've changed scheme. I mean, DMPs just did not run a scheme that was aggressive enough. That was mm-hmm. aggressive. And that was in large part because they didn't have the pass rushers to do it. Yeah. You know, uh, sure. and they have better pass rushers now. Now that hasn't necessarily led to a ton of sacks yet, but it's led to a lot more pressures and it's led to them being able to change a lot more. Yeah. Again, they've been more effective as the games have gone as the two game, the two weeks as each game has gone on, that defense has been more effective. They could not stop AJ Dillon last week uh, in the first like two and a half quarters. And then all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, they're like, it was like the AJ Dillon was running into like a piece of steel, you know, like that, that's just what it was. So 
that that's part of it. And that's a good transition. I'm guessing to the run defense, but that has definitely helped the pass defense as well, because quarterbacks aren't having six seconds to throw the ball. Like they were the last two seasons. Yeah. And, and that's it, Mike, right? Like Falcons run defense ranks 11th in, in, in DVOA. Like how, how did the Falcons go about stopping the run and, and where are they maybe susceptible on the ground? And, and we all know Jeff Okuda, right? If he plays, that's another Another great run defender that you can put out on the perimeter. Um, but yeah, I mean, and Falcons, AJ's good I mean, against the yeah. run too. Yeah. 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 So, like, I mean, how, no, how, how do they go about doing it? Every player they have is pretty good against the run. Uh, I mean, even the pumpkins that you have in your background, which no one has said anything about yet. Like, it's not even October 1st, man. Come on with the pumpkins. <laughs> I'll, I'll, let my, I'll, I'll let my wife know, Mike. Well, now I feel like <laughs> not nice person. Oh, you just hey, hey, we got like forty. We got like almost an hour into the podcast without me like sounding like a mean person. So that's a win. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, um, the run defense is, has bleh, a little bit. No, I mean, listen. You saw AJ Dillon's final numbers didn't look great, but. They were really struggling to bring him down for a while. Carolina ran the ball, I felt, fairly effectively against Atlanta. So there would be opportunities, I think, for sure, for Detroit to take advantage of that. But, and this is a but, who knows whether either one of Detroit's tackles will play. We know David Montgomery probably not going to play, it seems like. Jamar Gibbs, honestly, has not looked like much of a running back just yet. And that's not a knock on Jamar Gibbs. I'm just looking at the stats and the stats between the amount of carries he's getting and the yards he's gotten in those carries would concern me. So I, I think that they've faced – this might be the um, – this is weird to say because of how much they've invested in it, but based off of who they have right now healthy, this might be the least formidable rushing attack – that the Falcons have faced thus far just because, I mean, listen, Carolina, Miles Sanders, Chuba Hubbard, like that's a decent one, two punch there. And if they had David Montgomery, I'm probably not saying that. Right. Because I think yeah. David Montgomery is really good, but AJ Dillon is a really hard runner and they didn't have Aaron Jones. They didn't play against Aaron Jones and Bakhtiari was out and Ellison Jenkins got hurt and they were still able to move the ball against Atlanta. So what I'm saying is the opportunity is there. Uh, and they did that. And the Packers were pretty successful there too. So I think the run defense is an area where they can maybe make make some progress in terms of Detroit really attacking. If you're looking at it from that perspective, Detroit really having a chance to attack that run defense, particularly early on. But like we talked about, that's why they kind of run hockey lines as they do, because late in the games, that's where it becomes a little bit more difficult. Yeah. And, and Jeremy, we haven't gotten any David Montgomery this week. It looks really unlikely that he's going to play. And yep. we 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 heard Ben Johnson say, you know, hey, Gibby can do anything right when it comes to can he handle the load between the tackles as a runner? Well, we also heard after week one how much more Jameer Gibbs was going to be involved in the offense. And that didn't really bear out in week two until Montgomery went down. So, like, Jeremy, do you like do you anticipate Gibbs being more of the runner on first and second down? Or are you like me? And I'm thinking it's going to be Craig Reynolds. I, I might take door number three. Zonovan Knight. Zonovan Knight. Okay. Don't sleep. Don't sleep. I mean, he is a yeah. very similar runner For sure. to yeah. David Montgomery, very physical guy that can be that first and second down guy. Um, I, I, 
we we heard Ben Johnson talk a little bit about him. That the main concern with him is just getting him up to speed, right? He's only been here since the the, the beginning of the month, um, but he sounds like he's he's made some strides there. And so I wouldn't like. I'm not I'm not Mr. Fantasy, but I think I think if you're in a desperate place and there's injured running backs all over the league right now, Zonovan Knight is a sneaky play. Um, I know I actually agree with that. I think that that's a fair assessment. Um, I mean, I, I would I, I this could be the week too that where, where Jameer Gibbs is able to get going a little bit on the ground. I, I think that that's entirely possible. That would not shock me if that yeah. happened. Like, I, I would be more surprised if Jameer Gibbs had the similar output to what he's had the first two weeks on the ground than a higher output, if that makes sense. Yeah. I either way, this this is not going to be a 25 carry game for Jameer Gibbs. Like they don't they're they should, never, should never be a 25 carry game. game. Right. Yeah. They don't they don't want that. And 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 Campbell's already said like this is a running back by committee, whether whether David Montgomery's in the lineup or not. So well I mean and not to go to Bijan Robinson, someone had asked me like, oh those two guys will always be you know, tied together. And I was like, I really hope not because that's not fair to Jameer. <laughs> right. But because, you know, it's just not, I made the comparison when I was asked about that to Eric Ebron, where I felt like it wasn't fair for Eric Ebron because it was just all about who came after him. Right. Right. And that's a, no fault of Eric Ebron. Like if he's compared to Bajan the whole time, then that's of no fault to Jameer Gibbs, because I think Jameer Gibbs could be a very good player. But to your point about like 25 carries for Gibbs, I just want to point out like Bajon Robinson had 10 carries in the opener. He had 19 carries in week two. And part of why he had 19 carries in week two was because of situational. But I, I like they don't want to make Bajon a 19, 20 carry a game guy either. They, I think, would like him in that 15 range also. Like you're just not going to see guys be 25 carry a game guys if they have any sort of versatility whatsoever. Which both these guys do. I wish you would scream that from the mountaintop because people are freaking out about how they're using Jameer Gibbs so far. He's going to get more carries. He's going to get more touches, especially this week. But if, if you want him to be that workhorse back guy, you're rooting for the wrong guy. Um, yeah, I mean, well, but that's the thing is you don't. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like you just listen, I, I'm sure you guys heard it, too. When the Falcons drafted Bajan Robinson, number eight. All these people. We're like, oh, they drafted a running back at eight. Oh my! And if you knew anything of what their plan was for him, of which they were very open about from the beginning, and uh, you know, a lot of people, my, my, I was like screaming it. Do not call him a running back. Call him an offensive option because that's what he is, and that's how they've been using him. And I think that the Lions are going to get to that place with Jameer Gibbs as well, where he's an yes. offensive option. Yeah. I'm going to make this Michigan comparison because I covered him in Michigan. I wish Denard Robinson could have gotten in the league now because Denard Robinson would have been a guy who would have lasted a lot longer now than maybe just be ending his career instead of having worked at Michigan after bouncing around coaching for a couple of years elsewhere. I, because Even now, Denard would have had to learn to catch a little bit better. But much different league now, and and people need to realize the versatile back is the back of the future. And you're going to have the guys like a David Montgomery, the guys like a Talia Algier, who are almost your complementary backs and your closers, your finishers. Yep. But your main guy is going to be the guy that can line up anywhere. You're going to see a lot more quote-unquote two backs out there because that second back, whether it's Gibbs or McCaffrey or Bajan or, or you know, a whole bunch of uh, uh, J.D. McKissick, I'm a lion. Sure. Uh, 
like those guys are going to be guys that are considered running backs, but they'll line up a whole bunch of different places. Yep. No doubt about it. And the lines have already said as much for, for Jameer as well, but uh, let's get to our final segment here. The one we call the one thing we think we know where we make a prediction about Sunday's game. Doesn't have to be a score prediction. Doesn't even have to be a winner prediction. If you want to go that direction, you absolutely can, but it's making a prediction about the upcoming game. Uh, Ryan and I like to go semi-bold to make this interesting. And because I'm the boss, I make him go first every time. So Ryan, what is the one thing you think you know about Lions Falcons? Well, I know we just did our best job to wet blanket and uh, to temper all the expectations about Jameer Gibbs and Captain James C. Kirk. I will not take the under again this week. Um, (laughs) But uh, Jameer Gibbs, 125 yards from scrimmage. Ooh. That'll shut people up in a hurry. I hope so. Right, Jeremy? Like, it feels like we're at a uh, it feels like we're at a a nexus where it's like, will that like when is enough going to be enough to to satisfy? Well, it'll uh, shut people up for one week, Ryan, because right. Where were we last week? We were like, holy crap. Brad Holmes is a great drafter. All four of the top four picks were hugely impactful against making plays. Yeah. And then and then you lose one game and and Jameer Gibbs has what 50 yards from scrimmage. You're like, what is Brad Holmes doing? It's it's incredibly silly. Yeah. So but there it is. That's what I got for you. 125 yards from scrimmage. Pendulum swings the other way this this week. I like it. Uh, Mike, I like to go last, so I'm going to make you go next here. What's the one thing you think you know about Lions uh, Falcons that I should be out there for the coin toss? Uh, (laughs) Honorary captain? No, I should be like Eminem, like flipping the flipping the coin. No, uh, <laughs> someone actually asked me if that was going to happen this week, and they were mm. going to make me like, and I was like, I'm pretty sure that neither franchise would agree to that, um, <laughs> nor would I, frankly. Um, no, I, I, I will say this: this these two teams, the last six times they've played, weird things always happen, and it always comes down to the last play. Weird things always happen in this game. Tim Boyle happens in this game sometimes. Tim Boyle happens in this game. Don't don't uh, say the, the the hyphenated phrase. Don't do you know what I'm saying? You don't say it. Todd Gur- Todd Gurley. Uh, oh yeah, you can say that one. That into one. the end zone. Yeah. In this I like game, that one. Uh, Golden Tate gets stopped nope. short. Uh, 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 in the end, careful. In the end zone, maybe. Um, in this game, uh, Matt Prater has. A delay of game that should have maybe not. Been oh, that's right. In, London. in this game in London, um, a lot of weird. Th- I wrote about it the last time these two teams played. That like there's just this level of weirdness. I remember Prater and I talked about it for a while. Uh, weird, something weird and unexpected that will end up being a penalty level discussion in the off season will happen in this game. That's my prediction. That uh, I don't know who the pool reporter is these days. Uh, in Detroit, but whoever the pool reporter is is going to have to probably have a pool report. That's my prediction. Yeah, it's either it's either going to be Paul or Dave. Um, oh gosh, I hope I hope I hope that is the wrongest of predictions we've ever had in this segment because that's the last thing I could use right now is another controversy. Um, all right, the one thing I think I know, and because we like to go bold here, I'm going to say there are a combined sixty rushing attempts between the bull. Between both teams in this game. 60. Uh, 60. I can see that. I think both teams are, are going to want to establish that as, as part of their offense. Although I think the Lions should maybe think 
elsewhere. Um, I think that they've been a very successful team through the year so far. But part of that is getting into manageable down in distance uh, on, on first and second down. Either way, um, I think both teams, that's a core part of their identity. I think I think it's very possible, as Ryan says, Jameer Gibbs, you know, finally gets going. They, they haven't had a rush, I think, longer than 18 yards yet. Maybe we finally see one of those. That, that'll be, you know, I've been doing a lot of second thing. I know, you know what? A rush of at least 30 yards this week as well. <laughs> oh, hello. By the Detroit Lions, though, right? By the Detroit Lions. I, okay. I say you should probably be specific there because <laughs> yeah, both Algier Bijan, and Bijan Robinson can, yeah. can do that. I will say I will say this, too. Every single Lions coach we've talked to this week has mentioned Algier. They're like, you guys talk about Bijan a lot, but don't forget about Algier. Oh, that I mean, that, that's, ha- listen, that's happening in Atlanta, too. I, yeah. I, like, I kept telling people, listen. Tyler Algier might still lead this team in carries because of how they're going to use Bajan. Like right. Tyler Algier's a really good player. I don't like, like I don't know really how many good. times I've tried to like push people's face into New Orleans Saints stats when Alvin Kamara was there or is there. Like Kamara doesn't lead the team in in carries most of the time. Like yeah, no, but he's still there. Tyler Algier player. can really play. Now yeah. I, I do before this podcast ends, I do want to make sure I bring this up. Sure. Our good friend Chris Perfett, whose birthday <laughs> is today. I, I mentioned on Twix, so I call it Twitter the or the artist formerly known as Twitter. I call it Twix now because it's okay. X, or so it's Twix combination of the two. And candy bars make me happy, even though I can't eat Twix either. So it's it's also me subliminally telling myself I should not be on the, <laughs> the social media platform. I I twixed him we'll call it that that sounds terrible but we're gonna go with it that chris perfett isn't here hurts my soul and he responded i've been out i'm bugging you jeremy to let me in during a break so boo jeremy hey hey wait a second this no this this is a golden opportunity to say hey if you're listening to the podcast you're gonna miss chris perfett and michael rostin chop it up after the show which means you got to go to our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit, and you'll be able to see it. You said you would stay later. Now you're making me feel I did. Better. I will. I will. I'm not going <laughs> to stay that late, though. I do. I have to go find food. All right. Uh, well, but let me let me close out the podcast portion here. We're running long here. And and as, as excited Chris will be to jump on here, he'll also. I was gonna say, going to say, how many times have I done your show? When have you ever not run long? Well. What's the common denominator here? Me? Oh, I'm full. <laughs> okay. okay. Hey, I did a better job keeping the podcast on the rails this time than I have other shows. So just <laughs> throwing that out there. All right. Well, before we get out of here, promote yourself. Most people know where they can find you, but uh, you teased during our break that you have something uh, that yeah, you excited so- um, you can coming. follow me on the on the Twix or Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it these days. Uh, still at Mike Rothstein. Still there. I'm on Instagram at Mike Rothstein. I guess technically I'm on TikTok, but I haven't used it in a while. Also at Mike Rothstein. I'm on Threads at Mike Rothstein. I'm on Blue Sky at Mike Rothstein. I'm on a, way too many social media is really what we're learning here. Um, you can obviously read my stuff at ESPN.com. Occasionally hear me as a fill-in host on ESPN Radio, Times and Dates, TBD, that I post on my social medias. Uh, yeah, that's that. But I do have a story coming. Uh, I believe it's going to run Friday or Saturday. So tomorrow or Saturday. I'm assuming Saturday. Uh, oh, Chris Perfett just followed me on Blue Sky. I'm so excited. Uh <laughs> Um, I, I have a story that I'm not, I'm not going to say what it is just for whatever reason, if it gets held for a week, but, uh, hopefully we'll run on Saturday and you'll know why you should be excited about it. If, uh, 
from a Lions perspective if you end up seeing it on Saturday because it does have some sort of Detroit flavor to it. There you go. Good tease there, Mike. Always good to catch up with you, man. I'll see you. I'll see you on Sunday. Uh, I am. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to be back, uh, back in Ford Field to uh, hear the excitement. Yeah, it's it's. See my still see my palpable. friend uh, Nicole Mint apparently DJ for at Ford Field too. She's uh, the new Ford Field DJ. Big fan. There you she, go. You should go check her out before the game. She's very talented. There you go. All right. We'll close things out there. Thanks to Mike. Thanks to Ryan, as always, for co-piloting with me. And thank you all for listening. We'll be back after the game Sunday night here on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit. But until then, it's chaos. Be kind. <laughs>